Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If I'm Illinois, I'm squatting near the sticks, worried about the first down. Right is at the top of your screen. Sheffield has it, and Sheffield has the touchdown. Purdue back on top. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the latest episode. I believe this is episode eight of the Behind the Rails podcast. I am Travis Miller, the manager of Purdue's or SB Nation's Hammer and Rails, the Purdue website. And with me, as always, is Corey Sheets, former Purdue running back. And we are here to talk about Purdue's 13 to 9. Yes, that score is not a typo. Win over Illinois this past Saturday. How are you doing, Corey? I'm all right, Travis. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, it's rare to be disappointed in a victory, but I, I think a lot of Purdue fans are disappointed in this. It is the fewest points Purdue has scored in a win since beating Michigan nine to three in 1996. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, lots of good to talk about with the defense, but let's, let's just talk about the offense here. Cause I know in our pre-show pre-show, we were talking about it. I don't know what's going on with it, man, but it is not working right now. I don't know from between the, Horrible play from the offensive line to I don't know who's calling these plays. <laughs> it's like, oh man. At some point you gotta stretch the field and let these guys run. And that's kind of what they did because when they brought in O'Connell late in the third quarter, he immediately started taking some downfield shots and he had a lot more success. That begs the question, all right, why are they not doing that with Plummer from the beginning? Yeah, it's crazy. And then, so here's my questions. Is he now the starter since he got the W or do we go back to Jake? Well, uh, Brahm has said this week that it's an open competition again for quarterback, which is something nobody wants to hear as it's been an open competition for quarterback for about 15 years now at quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just disappointing that Plummer had the job and now it's wide open and we seem to be going right back to pulling quarterbacks and flipping them wildly and everything else. And that's not good. If it's going to be O'Connell, stick with O'Connell. If it's going to be Plummer, stick with Plummer. I would like to see, I would like to see Plummer get O'Connell's place. I don't know if it was just the timing of it all or what, but it just seemed like the field was being a lot more stretched and utilized when he got the game opposed to the latter. And it's interesting you say that because one of the players that O'Connell went to was the the freshman receiver, Abdur Rahman Yassin, who really hadn't played a whole lot before this. I think he got in one game last year. I don't think he had played it all this year. And I was wondering where he was because he was a four-star recruit, one of these very heralded receivers that Brom got in. And he didn't even play at all in the UConn game when everybody got to play. Oh, wow. But he comes out there. (laughs) Yeah. But he comes out there and he catches a 43-yard pass on one of uh, O'Connell's first passes. And he finishes with three catches for 77 yards and was that stretch the field element 
So why why is he in there and producing with O'Connell, but not in there with Plummer? What's the difference? I mean that that's that's can that can you could chalk it up to they running scout team together. They're comfortable together. Okay. Opposed to you know, you get what I'm saying. Like he's comfortable throwing to him, so it's not like Jake doesn't know this guy. He hasn't been working with this guy. The timing could be off with them too. But these two are comfortable with each other. They've probably been showing up together in practice, and we just don't know about it yet. <laughs> and O'Connell's had a really good uh, relationship with Bell, too, because kind of O'Connell's first real game action that he started getting in 2019 is right as Bell was coming into his zone. At the start of the 2020 season, Bell catches three touchdowns in the first game of the year. That's with O'Connell. Mm-hmm. So... It's interesting. I think O'Connell throws a bit better of a deep ball, but he's a little bit more prone to interceptions. He's thrown four interceptions so far. So he got the W <laughs> with the four. <laughs> this is true. I mean, I think that's one of the most bizarre things about him is he's only seen, I would say, significant action in nine games so far. When and when I say significant action. He's played when the game has been on the line. And in four of those nine games now, he's led a fourth quarter comeback for the win. And in a fifth one, he led the drive that tied the game that sent it to overtime where they eventually lost. But he's a guy that's gotten it done in the fourth quarter. You can't deny that. I mean, I say give him three more quarters, see what he does. And you can get <laughs> over 200 yards of offense. <laughs> Hey, y'all, we got to take a break right now to pay for some stuff. So we will be right back after this ad. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, he had 182 in about a quarter and a half. So I mean, yeah, was... he does. He, him, him by himself, it seemed like the rest of the game, they don't. It's just like a, a tennis match. They're just kicking the ball back to each other, back and forth, like one punter to another. Like, <laughs> it's hard to watch. Oh, yeah. And I a lot of it is being placed on, okay, well, the running game doesn't really have anything going. Produced down to its third string running back from, but from your experience, what are you seeing in the running game that's just not working? They're not blocking nobody, and it, and the, the running backs are just blindly just running into the the, the O lineman's back when they do get a hole. It's just like I, I'm not sure what they're looking at, but it, it ain't <laughs> it ain't green pastures and open holes. Even when there is somewhat of a hole, they're only getting two, three, four yards, and that's not going to get it done. I don't, you know, you're lucky to be able to get it done here against a team like Illinois that is offensively challenged in their own right. They only had a hundred yards passing as a team, <clears throat> but Purdue had 38 yards on 26 carries. Damn. Yeesh. 
Yeah. Abysmal right there. Yeah. The the two longest runs were of nine yards. Downing had a nine yard run and Jackson Anthrop had a nine yard sweep. And oh, that play. This, yeah, when I, like, just watching these guys run is like I'm not sure if they're just looking to get the first down or they're looking to score, but it doesn't look like they're it's like they're just taking the ball and just running and not really have no direction of what, what they're trying to accomplish. Purdue's got to figure something out with it. Uh, Horvath's going to be out for at least a few more weeks. They've said uh, Doru, in today's press conference, Brom said Doru has a, quote, non-COVID medical issue that that's all they can really say, but they said he could be done for the year. Uh, and that's all we really know. A non-COVID medical issue. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be anything, really. Hopefully it's hopefully it's something that they can take care of, uh, but but we just don't know. And until then, Purdue is down to Dylan Downing, a transfer from UNLV who's done okay. Uh, true freshman Jaquez Cross, who's who had seven carries for twelve yards on Saturday, didn't get a whole lot going. And then what they've said is they're just they're trying out a bunch of different guys, like receivers and stuff, to see what they can do. And oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> This is going to be bad. It's, it's like when they tried to take the quarterback and make him a running back when I was playing. It was like, are you you going to take one of the softest positions and put him at one of the most physical positions? That's not going to equal out. Yeah, that, that was Justin Siller. He was a good quarterback, too. He Great had, quarterback. They should have left his eyes at quarterback. They tried. They had him at safety at one point. And I'll just be sitting like lost watching him just destroy this man's career. Like, man, if y'all don't put him at quarterback and let him do his thing. He was he was a I remember that game he started against Michigan and he tore him up. I had five of them things, so I wasn't complaining. <laughs> 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 I never forget that. Yeah, that was the first time we beat Michigan at home in like I don't know, like 20, 30 years. It was something stupid like that. <laughs> Oh, that night after the after the game, though, woo, we tore brothers up. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how we get to the behind the rails after dark. That's for, <laughs> that's for a different show. That's for a different show. Oh, man. I can tell you stories from that night. What? <laughs> <laughs> but one of the guys I think that would be very, very interesting to see Purdue try back there is Marcellus Moore. Uh, he's a receiver. He's done a little bit of work on kick returns, but he is the proverbial give the ball to the fast guy in space and see what happens. I was, I was just going to ask, like, is it any speed back there? Because no, no disrespect to the guys that we got now. It's just I don't see a lot of nothing past a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, Moore is a Big Ten champion caliber sprinter, and I believe he holds the Illinois state record in the 100 meters for high school with like a 10-3. Which is really, really fast. It's it's, all it's right. faster than it's I. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's that's pretty fast. But yeah, what's his forty working looking like? I I think he's like in the four two, four three, probably. I don't know, but so stick him he's back. He's a here. smaller guy. Yeah, yeah. Stick, stick him back there. Then <laughs> I I don't have any problem with get the ball to the really fast guy in space and see what happens. I mean, it's usually, hey, they got a guy in, in uh, Kansas City. They just throw the ball downfield. They know he's somewhere down there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, they got to figure out something. And 
you're you got a Minnesota team this week that is pretty solid defensively, but they have their own offensive issues. And the hell going on in the Big Ten? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if anybody's good this year, but <laughs> only team that's nice is Ohio State. <laughs> uh, they lost to Oregon, so damn. <laughs> but we we can at least say some positives about the defense here. I mean, defense, yeah, the defense is that yeah, they 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 have their own. They got a lot of hits on the quarterback, a lot of pressures. I saw the secondary locking some people up that I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I really like Marvin Grant, eight tackles. Diedrich Mackey, pretty solid defense all day. Uh, Jamari Brown, the transfer for Kentucky, had a big pass breakup. And just everybody's getting involved. I like that they're spreading it around, too. Garloftis, as usual, is just causing trouble. What's that DN name? Because he had a great great day, too, I think. Oh, the other DN? Yeah, uh, Marcus Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, I kept hearing his name a lot. Yeah, uh, he had to leave early with an injury. I think he's a little bit questionable this week. Branson Dean, same. Oh, God. <laughs> they're, they're getting it done. I mean, the defense is keeping the team in the game right now, but we're paying Jeff Brom more than $5 million to score more than 13 points against a really bad Illinois off or defense. I'm I sorry. mean, technically, y'all, they're, they're paying them to win games. They don't give a damn what the score is. As long as these games is being won, <laughs> they they could care less if it's seven nothing the rest of the season. It reminds me a lot of my high school basketball coach. He was a uh, defensive minded, played a two three zone, did not give a shit if he scored thirty points as long as he's to held the other team to twenty nine. Hey, that's <laughs> hey, one thing about Terry, that's one thing he used to always say uh, he'd cuss the offense out, but then he'll congratulate the defense and, and say Y'all did a good job. We was only able to score 17 points. You held up on the 16. Claps all around. <laughs> there you go. I mean, winning's winning. At the end of the day, winning's winning. It's uh, It was not the prettiest game on Saturday, but I'll admit when Sheffield scored and then they went down and got the big defensive stop at the end, it certainly made it a lot damn easier leaving the stadium hey, if they lost that. Uh, so yeah, film, regardless if the game was ugly or cute, film is a lot easier with, with a W. A whole lot easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that this is definitely something that Purdue can learn from because, I mean, I don't know exactly what Illinois was doing to slow him down or anything aside from the offensive line, but – you still had some drops. You still have no running game whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's one-dimensional. Like you're saying, yeah. it's one-dimensional, so there's not much to cover. Receiver, I mean, not receivers. DBs can play back. It's easy, easy to call a game when the other team isn't doing everything they can do on offense. That's right. That defensive playbook is very bland. We can fire off and just, hey, we know they're not running the ball, so just go. Seven yards back. <laughs> Yeah, have the safeties be back and just keep everything in front of them. Right, so it's easy to defend that, but man, we got they got to get together. I don't know what it's going to take, but what they're doing right now ain't it. You're looking at going in the Minnesota game now. You've got Payne Durham, who's in concussion protocol. He's a tight end who's been really effective. Bell's still in protocol. Uh, might see him this week, might not. Like I said, Horvath out. You've got Doru out, and you're you're missing a lot of your top weapons. But 
you still got a lot of really good receivers there that you can spread the ball around Damn, to. There's a lot of people out. I sound it sounds yeah. it's a it's a lot of sloppiness in in the office with that many new people playing over right. people, people that type of people not that didn't get that many reps during camp or whatever. But you had a guy like uh Milton Wright stood stepped up. He had seven catches for eighty eight yards. I mentioned Yassine. It was good to see him. I mean he he had three catches for seventy seven yards. Those were the th- first three catches of his career. So, I mean, that's a solid debut for you. Not too bad and, at all. And I'm I'm liking Sheffield too. He had four catches for forty four and a touchdown. And he's kind of he's starting to look a little bit shifty there in the slot. And my guy Brock Thompson, the the downfield blocker, the guy that does all the dirty work, he had two early catches too. So. The weapons are still there, but like you said, you gotta you gotta at least get something in the running game. You just have to. I wouldn't even say so much, even because there's teams that don't even run the ball that much and they're still successful, but they protect their quarterback a whole hell of a lot better than we have been protecting our quarterback. And like and he hasn't been getting sacked a whole lot, but it's just he has absolutely no time to do anything. Officially, Illinois sacked him three times on Saturday. How many pressures? It had to be in the double digits. Uh, probably. I'm not seeing the pressures here in the stats, but, uh, yeah, you're right. It probably is in the double digits. It had to be. And I think what also made the game so frustrating is Purdue moved the ball pretty well on those first two drives. They didn't finish, but they were able to get into field goal position easily. I mean, the first drive took 15 plays and went 69 yards. You'll take that all day, even if it's just a field goal because you're killing the clock. Right. Second one, six plays, 34 yards, and then three and out, six and out, five and out, three and out, (laughs) three and out, interception, interception. Touchdown, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) And I'll give credit. I mean, they converted – two third downs on the on the touchdown drive including one that was in purdue territory still they had a 17 yard pass on third and seven so let me get bailed out one of those times uh no bell was out it no, was no, right they, they got bailed out like, oh bailed out, yeah nah they didn't get uh that, am i thinking of the drive after might have been i don't know but, but yeah, they. I mean, Wright was pretty critical on that touchdown drive, too. He had back-to-back catches for 17 and for 27, so. Yeah, he looked good on those plays. After the drops that he had earlier in the season, I think those were big, so. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you, you can beat your head to your blue in the face on, on what's going on and what can be done, but until the guys get healthy or, or, or get more reps underneath their belt, I'm not sure we're going to see a change. We just got to hope we keep running into these teams that can't score as well. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of what we're looking at on on this Saturday because we're going to see a Minnesota team that just had an absolutely horrific offensive game in their own right, and they lost. They scored 10 points against Bowling Green, and they lost as a 30-point favorite. What the hell, Bowling Green was down there cooking. <laughs> <laughs> they they lost fourteen to ten, and gave up the game winning touchdown with like a minute left. Mm, I know they was pissed about that one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's hope we can do it again this week. <laughs> and you're going to have a clash of styles too, because they are an incredibly strong running team. 
and Purdue is obviously very much pass first at the moment. So yeah, Minnesota's uh, always really... been that run first team. Oh yeah, when it was when I was there, they had a couple guys that carried the ball. Their offensive line was always humongous. I think that's when they had uh, Lawrence Maroney, who ended up with the Patriots for a while too. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> he was good. He, man. he was a he was a stud out there. <laughs> <laughs> Watch couple some of them plays like oh my god what is this I'm glad I ain't got to tackle him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also know in Minnesota's where you had that like 98 yard run yourself. So yep, and people forget to play before I messed up. <laughs> I think you mentioned that like in our first 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 podcast of the year where you had come out of the end zone and ended up getting tackled at the one and then had to. You just broke it on the next play. Yeah, just so happened. He was like, man, boy, it was like, hey, it don't matter. Forget that. Go ahead and do something this next play. You get the ball. Sky, cool. You got the block. <laughs> and it just worked out that way. There you go. But, yeah, it's – so it, when you have a close game like this where you underperform, it's probably one of two ways you can go, right? You either kind of be like, oh, this is wrong, or does it just kind of piss you off when you play this bad? I mean, depending on how critical you are as a team, it could go one or two ways. You could be upset that y'all played bad, but you still got the win. You just know you got a lot of stuff to work on. Or you could just be happy that you got the win and be like, all right, this stuff ain't working. Let's go try something different. Right. So I, I'm, I, don't, it, I don't know really what, what where to go with. <laughs> it's confusing. I, I, I finally see what coaches were going through when we were playing, like trying to figure things out. It's mind-boggling. Now, how much do you think, uh, if they're able to get Bell back, how much do you think that helps? Obviously, when you have one of the best receivers in the country, you get a little bit better when he returns. I mean, who's who, who's the quarterback and what playbook they're going to use? Like, True. He, he's been playing well and getting off, but that's just been off of natural ability and him just getting open. I don't think – scheme has helped him at all and it's funny you mentioned that because he had the two really good games to start last season against Iowa and Illinois and I think at that point it kind of the offense kind of relied on him a little bit too much because I remember that Northwestern game there were a lot of plays where the offense was stalled and the decision was just like okay just throw it to David and he'll Hope he'll do something. You can only do that so many times when they start keying on him, too. I mean, shit. You start seeing triple coverage, bracket coverage, two over the top, one in the middle. <laughs> like, somebody else going to do something eventually. And well, if they're triple, if they're giving him triple coverage, somebody else got to be open too. I mean, if you don't respect that guy, who cares if he's open? <laughs> he's not going. He's not going to throw the ball anyway. Like he's going to force it to bound. We might be able to get a pick off of that. <laughs> I've seen people do that. Hopefully David's back this week, but I'm I'm with you. They've they've gotta they've gotta work on the play calling. I think <laughs> it, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> it, it it really is because you look at Illinois, you look at what they've done on paper, and it's like, okay, congratulations, you're able to get away with that and get the win against Illinois. There's nobody left on the schedule you can do that against, really. <laughs> Not, Honestly, for me, it wasn't even so much of how we played Illinois or even how we played Notre Dame. It's just the fact that we've put points on the board the first two games. We've put yards on the stat bracket. Like we've moved the ball efficiently for two games. Then you get to a more important game. Then all of a sudden, the 
playbook goes bland, and then the fourth game is even worse, but you get the W. Like, <laughs> well, not only that, you you get those outside of those first couple scripted plays and everything, then everything goes goes south. I mean, they did well against Notre Dame. They went down, and got a field goal in the first drive. They did well. These first two drives went down, got a field goal, but after that, it's just been kind of like, eh. So that sounds like. So that sounds like they're coming out with a great game plan, start the game, and the other team is making adjustments, and they don't know how to adjust after adjustments. You're not going to live very long in the Big Ten when you do that. So they got to figure something out this week. Let's, let's hope they can uh, squeeze this Minnesota game. Then all they need is uh, two more games for bowl contention. <laughs> that that would be nice, and then <laughs> I, I think the best thing after the Minnesota game is is they get a bye week to get healthy. Mm. How critical was that bye week in the season? I mean, for me, it was. I didn't really need it. I didn't care. It was just more practice without an actual game. But for for certain certain teams, depending on how things are going, man, it could come at a, a bad time or it could come at an amazing time. And I think this is one of those times that's coming at the right time for Purdue. If they get out this game pretty healthy, they can go back to the drawing board and have two weeks to work on something. So Absolutely. So we'll get into that in our next episode here later this week when we start talking about the Golden Gophers. But any final thoughts about the Illinois game other than, eh? <laughs> I mean, my only question is who, who who's going to be the start, starting guy? That's, I, that literally was like after the game went off, I seen his stats. I'm like, all right, he had th- two picks a touchdown and got the W, you go back to the drawing board and like, ah, do we pull this and keep it going or we put Jake back in? And one of the more interesting things is, is Plummer had a really, really good game last year against Minnesota. It was his first start of the season. He had to come in because O'Connell got hurt. Plummer ended up getting named the starter before playing Minnesota and he came out and threw four 367 yards and three touchdowns really four touchdowns before they had that uh egregious pass interference call that wiped off the game winning touchdown mm, uh, whatever they do they need to hurry up and figure it out because at some point the team is going to start picking sides and i know i know it happened with us a couple times but people didn't like uh they wanted kirsch to be the guy and yes kirsch was the guy here first year yeah and, and then they and it was just Inside the locker room, just it was crazy, and then then when it was my years, wanting Justin to start over Painter, and then ah, it was just crazy, man. <laughs> they need to, they need to pick a pick a pick a guy, stick with him, live and die with it. And that's what you got to do, and that's what Brahms' best team has done. Is once they were able to settle on David Blau, things really started to took it take off, and he did great. <sighs> Anyway, hopefully they will get something figured out for this week, and we'll have a lot more to talk about for uh, Minnesota on our next episode. But for now, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We like to keep them a little bit tight, about 25, 30 minutes for you. That'll be it for this one. So for Corey and myself, Travis Miller, we do appreciate you for listening. And this has been the Behind the Rails podcast. So boiler up. BTFU as always. The Behind the Rails podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Please visit our sponsor, Bet Online, for the best in college sports odds. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.